0: If you're trying to conceive and feeling overwhelmed with fertility advice, then this podcast is for you. Welcome to Don't Tell Me To Relax, your fertility podcast, an antidote to unhelpful fertility information. I'm Hannah, a fertility acupuncturist, teacher, and campaigner for better fertility education. This podcast aims to empower and inform you about your menstrual cycle and fertility. It's basically all that information you didn't get in sex ed at school, with the aim of improving your understanding of your reproductive health and optimizing your fertility. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Don't Tell Me To Relax. I'm Really, I know I always say this at the beginning of an episode, but I am really excited this week because I am joined by Dr. Larissa Corder, who is an obstetrician and a gynaecologist with a specialist interest in reproductive medicine. And she has just released a book called The Conception Plan, which is all about using science and spirituality. So it's bringing together Holistic medicine and conventional medicine to really help optimize your fertility, which obviously, as an acupuncturist, is like music to my ears. And you might know Dr. Larissa because she's been on our telly, because she has often appeared on This Morning talking about fertility and women's health, and so it is a real pleasure to have her on the show this week. Dr. Larissa, welcome to Don't Tell Me To Relax. We're so grateful to have you here to talk about your book. I feel like your book and the podcast and the podcast title fit so well together because we decided to call this Don't Tell Me To Relax because so many people are told such unhelpful advice and information when they're trying to conceive and I feel like your book is like the antidote to that so can you tell us a little bit about your book and why you wrote it and how it differs from what is already out there
1: oh well thank you so much for those beautiful words um that's so so great to hear and I love that the antidote (laughs) to what's not helpful um I'm gonna borrow that um (laughs) so look I when I set out to write this book I really wanted to write something that was quite different to what was already existing out there and you know there's a lot of stuff which is available, which actually you know I've read myself, a lot of my patients have read, um, which is really really great and looks at um different approaches as to how to get pregnant that are either esoteric alternative or very sort of allopathic mainstream medicine. But what I really struggled um, to find out there was this combination, this amalgamation of the two, and especially when it came from that scientific front, because I think that the world of the alternative, which I am incredibly fond of, um, I engage in myself and I have studied um, and also practice in as well, is completely misunderstood by the mainstream, um, and is often dismissed as woo-woo, it's sidelined, it's often something that people are a little bit scared of, because they don't really fully understand it, and the impact that it might be having on them, so I really wanted to embrace that, and almost create this very active bridge between the two, growing up myself, I I I kind of always was at that intersection between the bohemian and alternative and then the very academic and scientific, just in terms of how I was raised. So it's always been quite natural for me to see a place for both of these two worlds. And I remember people saying to me, gosh, it's really unusual to to find a doctor who sort of, you know, really engages with the other side as well. Um, And I guess that got me to really start thinking about writing a book that could potentially be quite different in terms of addressing some of these concerns that people have, but also more than that, in terms of what they could actually do to empower themselves to be able to take charge of their own health and reproductive potential. And I do think that being an allopathic practitioner, so much of that power, tends to get outsourced to things like you know, IVF um, or expensive drugs, medications, um, whatever it might be. And it's not to say that those things don't have a place, of course they do, um, but it's to, to, to take it back to the basics really, to strip it down and to return back to, well, what could the person, could the client, could the patient actually be doing themselves to help themselves because there is so much as the book goes on to explain that you can be doing, which doesn't cost anything necessarily. And which ultimately puts you in tune with what's going on and gives you a level of control that I think is so important when it comes to a process like conceiving that can often feel so outside of your control as well.
0: Mm. And I mean, it's literally music to my little ears to hear (laughs) somebody who's got that western training but also an appreciation of the complementary medicines out there because I mean I've been an an acupuncturist for 12 years and I feel like I've been knocking on the door of western medicine for a very long time Mm -hmm. so I kind of like trying to put my head up and say hi you know I'm not I'm not in any way in competition I'm here to kind of complement because I'm not a fan of the world alternative I like complementary because I think it rather than one or the other why not use all of them so what and when you talk about like your what like what you've studied and what alternative or complementary medicine what what kind of things are you talking about because it's such a big sphere isn't it like what 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 do you mean well so it started off for me engaging
1: with certain things that I was finding really interesting um so this is going back you know quite a long time ago at least 10 years ago when i had my saturn return um (laughs) i traveled to um, astrologically speaking and i traveled to australia the land of the free and the alternative and i worked there for a period of time and all of a sudden i started to be put in touch with some of these um other methodologies and it really grew from there so one of the first things i remember coming across was this whole concept of shamanism Mm. um and you know back in the day, no one was really talking about this, no one really understood it very much. And I just found it incredibly fascinating to know that shamans were really the original neuroscientists, the original people who sort of started engaging with healing people's traumas, healing the subconscious. And I think having worked with lots of different patients over a period of time, it became really clear to me that it was really necessary to engage the mind and the emotional health of a person when it came to healing, rather than just looking at the physicality of their symptoms. And so I myself started to, um, you know, uh, use some of these uh, practices in my own life to, mm-hmm. um, to help with certain situations and to explore all these other avenues and different approaches alongside the the mainstream too because as you quite rightly say these are complementary techniques and methodologies that really complement what's also going on at um at that more traditional level um and and so it really really grew from there and and i found myself being attracted towards helping people at that mental level Mm -hmm. and exploring things a lot deeper with them. So I then started to study, um, you know, spirituality and at that very academic level, so to speak, a little bit like, you know, the approach i take taken with my medical work. And that, doing that really allowed me to see that so many aspects of, of spiritual science really have a huge place in our lives and actually can really help us to understand these complementary methods in a way that is scientific, in a way that is digestible, that we can assimilate, that we can try and get our heads around. So, you know, one of the things that that I have trained in is is a form of energetic healing. So working with a patient's biofield, electromagnetic field. Um, And of course, you know, as an acupuncturist, you tap into aspects of that. Um, But again, you know, when we're talking about people, We can't just view and see them as as physical objects and subjects that there is so much more to a person than that. And that's their entire biofield and aura, which we actually can now measure scientifically. And it's taking the whole energetic state of that person and that whole energetic body and, and considering the role that that has when it comes to a person's health. So I think having trained in a method like energetic healing for want of a better expression um it's, it really allows me to view health through through a different enhanced dimension and which really complements everything that i do in the allopathic sphere as well so i really feel that there's a very strong place therefore for this other side um which i call yeah the more the more spiritual lens and side to to make its way into that mainstream to become embraced and I think it's very important for scientists like myself to speak out about that we have you know responsibility to make this accessible to people and to also offer them that added level of insight as to why these techniques such as you know hypnosis um chiropractors osteopathy acupuncture have a role and why so many patients actually find it really helps. It mm-hmm. really helps to do those things alongside the other things that they're doing. And, you know, we've finally got some explanations as to why. So it's about embracing this full spectrum that we have, you know, now more than ever and the accessibility of all of that. And really trying to um to, to give that fully holistic, combined approach to people rather than this, this polarized sense of, well, you know, you're either on this side in that camp or this one it it really doesn't need to be like that these are you know we're we're all working in tandem with each other with the same aim to help people
0: absolutely and how has that message gone down with your kind of western medicine kind of medical Mm -hmm. cohorts like what has the feedback been for your book and your approach from your colleagues (laughs) you
1: know that's an interesting one because the book's only been out a month um so far and you know at the moment all of the um you know the the, the responses that i've had and feedback has been incredibly positive now that's not to say that i'm not going to get my fair share of skeptics of course i am like anyone um especially when you're trying to do something that's seen as relatively new and and different potentially you might even use that word pioneering in a sense um but, but skepticism isn't a bad thing this is this is you know where everything starts you know science any any new um foray into demonstrating evidence behind something or bringing it into the the mainstream starts off with skepticism because we're asking questions we want to understand why and where are you coming from so that we can, better assimilate that ourselves and make those judgment calls as to you know whether we we choose to believe it or we choose to explore elsewhere and that's you know i don't see skepticism as, as a as a bad thing at all mm. i see that as a very healthy part of science and you know ultimately science is constantly evolving um there's no such thing as fact really because we're constantly questioning facts you know we're constantly yeah. seeking to up level to upgrade and science has always got to be embracing the newest research And that's something that, you know, I I think a lot of colleagues will agree with me on that, that there is so much new research now to support some of these other alternative techniques that deal with the subconscious, that deal with the emotional plane, that deal with the traumatic, when we look at studies that are being done that it's almost impossible to to ignore it. It's a disservice to ignore it, actually. Mm. It's really important we start to now include it in our work. And, you know, ultimately, if we're in the business of trying to help people and potentially provide, if not cures, then at least the best possible solution to a problem, then it is our duty to look into every crevice, every corner. You know, why is it that over 33% of people get diagnosed with unexplained infertility? There is no such thing. How can you say something is unexplained when it's very real for that person going through it? It's almost the equivalent of, you know, being gaslit yes. over something that you're experiencing, that your body is experiencing, and then being told, oh, we can't explain it. Well, we can't explain it because we haven't done all of the necessary tests. We haven't looked, you know, in every single possible place. And yeah. quite often the place that we haven't looked at is that mind-body connection, which is crucial, which is vital, I would say, for all of the patients that I see. Mm. So, you know, I, I I think it's important to start somewhere and and to start embracing all of the new research that's coming out, to start educating on it, to start asking the questions, um, and and to really you know, get the information out there to people so that they can make up their own mind about what they want to do. That the, the ultimate aim of all of this is self-empowerment. You know, and as long as you've got all the information available to you, you can then make the best decision and choice by yourself, whatever that decision might be. But you need to have all the information first. That's yeah. really vital. I it's
0: it's so great to hear you talk about that in that way because I I I mean I you know trained four years to be an acupuncturist and I was the most skeptical acupuncturist in the classroom Mm. because Mm. in my brain I just was like how can putting a needle in this point in the leg be you know helping somebody go to sleep but I knew it worked because I had it personally and I knew that it always felt so good for me and I find it quite difficult when people ask me to explain it because it's quite complicated. The science behind it is not clear. But I always go back to the, the, the premise that people walk out of the treatment room feeling better, feeling yeah. more empowered, feeling more in control, feeling calmer. And for me, that's enough. That's enough science, because if I start yeah. thinking about the science, it sort of blows my mind a little bit and it yeah. might get a bit overwhelming. So I just I, I find it really helpful to just think about the interaction that happens in clinic and that people feel better and I always say to people try it because until you try it you can be skeptical and it's only by really trying these things that you really get a sense of the power of these therapies I think
1: yeah absolutely and they can only really have a positive impact you know, um, that's what's so important here. And I'm so glad you have said that by yourself, because I, I was similar, you know, going in, into the spiritual realm as a scientist. Of course, I was constantly questioning, you know, when looking at things through this very, very academic lens. And yes, absolutely. The Testament is in. You know, having had your own experience of it and being able to vouch for it, um, but also studying it in detail through the, the the science that's available behind it. And, you know, to your point of why acupuncture um, as one of these methodologies works, what I found super interesting doing the research in this book is I really tried to, um, you know, to provide people with real substance to, you know, as a scientist, I felt it was my duty and my responsibility to take um, a lot of these subjects that were considered, we were and to kind of start looking at some of the science behind them. Um, It's one of the things, my dad, who's an incredible scientist, he's, um, you know, a a professor in electronic and electrical engineering. And, you know, one of the first things he said in my book is gosh, Larissa, you know, the research section, which no one looks at, right? But my dad does, (laughs) and he said, it's so extensive. And, and it really is because when I researched, um, you know, more about the energetic field and the biofield, what I found absolutely blew my mind. And that's the fact that these meridians, which is what acupuncturists work on, which are these, you know, um, energetic channels that flow through the body are actually the very first structures that are that are actually seen and created in the embryo, even before any blood vessels, right? Yes. So it precedes the development of that, which is to say that there is some holographic imprint mm-hmm. that occurs at that human level, mm. that means that we are effectively energetic beings before anything else. Mm. Now that blew my mind, you know, when yeah. I looked at the science, which has been available for several decades um, and where people did these studies, albeit yes on animals, um, but you know that is 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 huge and and it really puzzled me as to why that hadn't entered the mainstream Mm. and why we weren't talking about it and and using these techniques and methods in tandem with all of the other medical methodologies that we use because it makes complete sense of course it does and then when you try and explain how you know different organs interact with different meridian points and energetic centers well you can kind of trace it all back to that and the origin of of human life so you know at that very point of conception the fact that you know these meridians are the very first structures to form is is just absolutely amazing absolutely. and i think there is so much more research that we need to do into that to, to truly understand the magnitude of what that means um but just being able to understand at that very basic level that we are energetic spiritual beings first and foremost and then everything else comes after is um i think it's also you know there's a level of comfort and reassurance that goes with that because i think most of us realize especially in the process of trying A lot of my patients, even the ones that that don't consider themselves spiritual, will will often say to me, it is a spiritual process. It is this understanding that something far bigger than ourselves is happening here. And and I think that's the thing about conception. It is this magical, miraculous thing um, that we absolutely have nowhere near got our heads around. Mm. (laughs) Um, And. You know, there is, which is what makes it so incredibly exciting, but it is that one area of, of medicine and science where we could all agree there is something absolutely incredible, far bigger than our minds are able to comprehend that is going on.
0: Yeah. And and so, you know, when when we work with people, we obviously spend a long time, you know, as, as you do in Chinese medicine, going through the whole systems mm-hmm. of a person's body. And we very much look at the mind-body connection. And often people say to us, You know, you're the you're the first person, you know, on this Mm -hmm. journey who sat down and spent so much time going over everything, because often it's like blood tests and it's like scan reports and it's sperm tests and all of those. And and they have a really good place. But in terms Mm -hmm. of like that kind of wider look at a person like that holistic look at, you know, what's your life history, what's your stress levels, what's your kind of digestive, that wider look, I think it, it can really help form a picture of where you can make improvements and I think that is a lot of what your book is about like because it's a 12-week plan a sort of step-by-step plan which I think is what we talk about all the time I was like 12 weeks yes because we're always talking about this three months to prepare we -hmm. like to work with people in that Mm -hmm. preparation period so what are your what are your 12 weeks of kind of preparation what do what are the areas of focus that you discuss with your patients
1: Yeah, so um, absolutely, that mind-body connection is super, super important. And a lot of the time... when you know your regular medical tests all come back as as you know negative we've run all the basic tests and and even more complex tests and everything looks fine at that physical level quite often when I start inquiring about the emotional health of the person and things that have gone on in their lives that are going on for them and their relationship with themselves and others it suddenly starts to become very clear that actually some of these symptoms can be attributed
0: Mm. to that
1: level of trauma a person might have experienced and how that's impacted people at that very cellular level, um, and you know how it's affected their nervous immune system. So many of those things, which which the first section of the book really sort of um, gets into the nitty gritty of. Um, but yes, that the second part of the book is all about this twelve week plan, and I look at it from the perspective of five pillars, which I really call the five pillars of health, and that's you know nutrition, exercise, stress management living in a toxin free way, and then relationships and sex. So I address this um, prenatal period through those five different themes. And, you know, the book goes into detail over those themes and specifically looks at what you could be doing, for example, with nutrition, how you could improve what you're eating. It it looks at the academic science behind, you know, why um, why I make the suggestions that I do, and what's good for you, what isn't considered so good for you, does the same with exercise. Stress management is is huge because that really sort of deals with that whole mind-body connection. So it looks at the role of stress when mm-hmm. it comes to becoming pregnant and health. And this is one that I think has often been underestimated in the past and continues to be underestimated. You know, so often I will hear other professionals and experts saying, well, you know, stress just doesn't have an impact. Don't Don't worry about it. And I think most people, men and women, realize on that intuitive level mm-hmm. that it does that there's no way that you know if you're internalizing a huge amount of not even a huge amount of stress but what a lot of people would consider not even to necessarily be stressful because they're so used to functioning at a certain high threshold that of course that is having some kind of impact on our bodies one that we might not necessarily be able to see but that's actually taking place at that very cellular level Mm. So, again, I I look at the science behind that and um, and yeah, the the, the toxin free living is is a way of really saying to people that we need to be mindful of what we're putting into our bodies and the environment we're surrounding ourselves with. There is more and more science now and research coming out about the fact that there's an awful lot of rubbish in Many products that are used mm-hmm. um, where there isn't full transparency and where so many of these compounds actually turn out to be, um, you know, um, hormone mimicking. So a lot of them are what we call xenoestrogens and can absolutely over time and with their cumulative effects start to interfere with our reproductive systems. So we need to be really mindful of that. And thank goodness, you know, a lot of companies are now cleaning up their act and being a lot more mindful of that, not just in terms of the impact on our bodies, but the impact on our. Planet too, you know, we, we have to consider both at mm. the same time. Um, and you know, sex and relationships is a, is another huge one because this again is completely underestimated, I find in mainstream medicine, where you know, people may get asked, well, how much sex are you having? And you know, as long as they're having sex two to three times a week. Then you're fine, you know, and try and optimize that around the time of ovulation. But actually, there's so much more to it than that, because, you know, I I call it the consciousness behind sex, which is really really important, and you know that has to start off with yourself and the kind of intimate relationship that you're having with yourself at that very personal level. Because if that isn't in a healthy place, then the interaction you're going to be having with your partner and the sort of sex that you're going to be having is also really not going to be conducive to you becoming pregnant um so It's, again, looking at what happens during that act of of sex and, you know, what's going on at that very scientific level, what's going on at the bioenergetic level, and trying to understand how we can take accountability for ourselves in that by working on the relationship we have with ourselves and who, you know, we bring into that arena and that everything else will follow on from there. So this is absolutely not about... um, you know, everyone gets so focused on having sex around ovulation, and everyone knows, you know, that's the time to do it. But I think so much of that is completely the stress that people place on themselves to have sex at a particular time, whereas actually, it should be about moving away from the idea that this needs to be regimented. That actually, this needs that there's no need. I want to move away from saying need, but you know that this should be. Um, a much more spontaneous act that comes as a result of having a high libido that comes as a result of having a healthier relationship with yourself and being able to um to 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 understand that deeper context of what's going on mm. um you know that that this isn't just sperm meets egg that there's a lot more to it than that about optimizing these conditions and again what you're bringing into that arena that that Mm. counts so yeah that's another really big chapter that that's also dissected down into individual components over the 12-week plan so that you can really focus on those individual areas through really practical means of you know advice that's given about what you can do at that very practical level to Mm. help yourself Um, and you know there's a lot of meditations in there and visualizations breath work techniques all of that stuff which actually again helps to deepen your connection with yourself and helps to put you in tune with what's going on for you how you're feeling so that you can become empowered to understand what you need to do without me necessarily needing to tell you in the book my my goal really with this 12-week plan is that you understand yourself so well during these three months that actually you know you can just go on and flourish in life afterwards and just take those basic concepts and apply them to, to everything that you're doing, mm. you know, and see the benefits in all of that.
0: And and what would you say, because what we see a lot of, and I, and I imagine that you do too, is people who come in who are stressed because they're stressed. So they're stressed mm. because they've got the stress and they've got the stress of trying to conceive, which then has that knock on impact on every single area mm. of their life, their friendships, their sex life, their digestive system their sleep and it's it's about how to break that cycle of stress because people then feel the guilt and the shame and the fear of the stress and it becomes very tangled and complicated and difficult to sort of extract it's almost like you want to take people out and sort of take a step back and say okay let's look at what's going on here and 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 ways to deal with it what do you say in that situation because Mm -hmm. I feel like it's I know so many people who listen to this podcast feel like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well,
0: the first thing
1: that you don't say is just relax, right? Which is yeah, what you're exactly
0: exactly
1: is really the worst thing that you can say to someone who's going through something like that, right? And though I accept most people are well intentioned when they say that, um. What they don't understand is exactly what what you pointed out, the fact that this is a self-propagating circle, a vicious circle that it's very difficult to get out of. So I think the most important thing to realize about that is that it is not your fault Mm. Okay, to, to take away any level of blame, shame, guilt. It's really even the way we deal with stress is conditioned as a result of experiences that we have in life which again are not your fault so you may have been a person who's been exposed to quite a lot of trauma in your life um, through difficult circumstances that you may have had to navigate and you will have built a response as a result of that your nervous system will have been shaped as a result of that again i talk about that in the book and, and the science behind it so as a result your cells have learned a certain mode of behavior in in response to stress. And sadly for a lot of people, because there's an awful lot of trauma out there, um, a lot of their nervous systems become what we call dysregulated. So they come out of balance and the body starts to find it very hard to to get back into that and as a result of a dysregulated nervous system it starts to have a knock on effect on other systems like your immune system your endocrine system a bit like what you were just describing that when you're stressed it starts to have an impact on other areas in your life where you're not sleeping as much you're not having you know a great relationship with yourself with your partner um you know your it starts to affect your mood all of those things right they all have consequences so it's very important to realize that there is something that you can do about it Mm. and it starts off by first of all understanding what at at that more academic level what stress could potentially be doing to your body and then once you've got that information which I write about in the book then you are in a far better place to be able to say okay you know what I need to take this seriously in the same way as you know um, managing my nutrition and what I'm eating so how do I do that? What can I look at to try and help me? And we start off with, we can start off with some really basic things. So for example, bringing that focus and attention to how you're reacting in a particular situation, why you're having that response. Sometimes actually people don't even necessarily understand, you know, their reaction or can't even necessarily articulate their feelings. Mm. So then I get them to go, into into a deeper level of feeling so i start operating at that more subconscious level right and this is where acupuncture comes in as well right that when you're really struggling to understand what your feelings are because remember most people's way of handling feelings are to suppress them Mm. that's what we've been told that's everything we've been told by our culture right um that actually you know you just kind of get on with it you put that to one side especially as a woman right it's all about people pleasing You know, that no matter what's happened to you, actually, you've got to be able to put that to one side so you can function, you can exist and you can go on and please other people around you. And that is incredibly detrimental um, at at that cellular level. I, I talk about something called mother wounding a lot in my book, which is this unintegrated level of trauma that's inherited down the mother line where our own mothers haven't necessarily processed what's gone on for them it's often to do with that people pleasing element this this almost belief and sense that we as females have to be less than and have to continually self-sacrifice in order to do well at life Mm. right um and that gets passed on, it gets inherited, not just as an attitude, but it gets inherited as, as a very real part of our biologies, right, at that internal level. And that, again, sets us up to experience stress um, at this much more dysregulated level. Remember that, you know, our threshold for being able to handle stress is set in the womb. mm it's set in the womb. So it depends on what is happening for your mother while she's pregnant and everything else that's gone on beforehand. So this is what I mean. There's a lot of that which you have no level of control over. None of us can change what's happened to us in the past, but what we can change is our response. We can start to understand why we have the reactions that we do and we can start to tackle those and to deal with them in a much healthier way. We can start to bring in self-compassion self-care we can start to we can choose to stop blaming ourselves and saying you know well I I shouldn't be feeling this I shouldn't be feeling this anger I shouldn't be feeling that well actually you're very legitimate Mm. in feeling that feeling because there's a reason why you're feeling it but let's look at how we can potentially work with that because if you are feeling anger let's say that's an incredibly useful emotion right Mm. it's coming because of something that's gone on for you so we need to be able to look at that to trace those steps back and that's often you know a complex process to be able to give you that level of insight as to why you're having that response and then how you can go about changing that in a healthier way so that it ends up having a positive impact on your life rather than a detrimental impact so it's all about taking control i would say when it comes to that once you start to have a level of control that's when you can really start to come out of that vicious circle and choose to go differently and choose to take that route out and and you know to, to to really choose your own direction and destiny i don't think that our destiny as i write about in the book is is pre-set no matter what's happened to you i do think that we have the ultimate control over most of that yes there are some cases genetically speaking that that we can't change but in the majority of cases, it's our environment that's crucial rather than our genes. Our genes have just been controlled by the environment. They're being controlled by ourselves mm. and they are not the main orchestrator of events. So everything is malleable. Everything can be changed and reshaped. And we just need the tools to be able to do
0: that. And, and I love, I mean, control, the word control is such a, commonly used word isn't it in fertility journeys with people mm-hmm. it's a, it's often we talk a lot about what you can control what you can't control yeah. and knowing the difference can be really helpful in terms of where you put your energy and and I wonder what you think about because lots of people again you know who listen to this podcast and and that I've ever worked with there's always this idea that some people do everything, you know, they follow the plans, they do the nutrition, they're on the supplements, they've given up alcohol, they're not doing coffee, their partners are doing all the work and it's still not happening. And, and, and it's so frustrating and and difficult, isn't it? To find why that is because often they also are surrounded by people who accidentally get pregnant or get pregnant the first time round. And it's that kind of, Um, I can't think of the word like inequality or that sometimes it doesn't make any sense why some Mm. people struggle to Mm. conceive and other people Mm. don't. Do Mm. you have any sense on on that? Do you talk Mm. about that?
1: You know, that's a really interesting one. And and I had a conversation with someone very recently about this. Um, I think we all have on a spiritual level are a different path of evolution. I think as a parent, actively engaging in this process and bringing a a certain level of consciousness to it it's very important to do the healing beforehand Mm. simply because the child that you ultimately co-create and have is going to be a direct result of that and the level of healing that you have done so Yes, you may look around and see that, you know, some people are falling pregnant easily who haven't done anywhere near the level of work that you have um, and, you know, undergone that level of self-evolution, shall we say. But the thing I would say in response to that is that quite often in, in those situations, those parents end up healing later down the line because quite often their children will be the main catalyst and trigger. To that so though they may have gone on in in you know in a certain level of bliss and ignorance uh, when it comes to doing the the harder level of healing shall we say and addressing some of these issues i think it's almost inevitable <laughs> that you will cross paths with that at some stage of your life and i think that that's where that element of what can feel quite unjust mm-hmm. um you know, there's it's different for every person and no one knows what's going on behind closed doors simply because people won't necessarily tell you that. So whereas it's very easy to jump to conclusions and be presumptions about, you know, the grass being greener on the other side. Actually, this is why we've got to I talk a lot about bringing a certain level of awareness and consciousness, what I call this, this conscious conception process. When it comes to being a parent, because there are huge responsibilities that go on with that. And becoming a parent is a process of really, really learning to parent yourself, learning to reparent, learning to restructure, learning to create a new version of yourself before you go on and give birth to anyone else. And if you can do that and are able to do that, then I would say that in itself and the process of of going through that will put you in in a far healthier situation when it comes to having a healthy relationship with your child and also being mindful of what that child inherits later down the line too because there's a certain level of baggage Uh, for example trauma we know that trauma can be inherited down at least three generations and we know that so much um, of what we do in our own lives can also be passed down at that epigenetic level a lot of it isn't but there's a significant part that also is and so we have to take accountability for ourselves and what we're doing in order to allow our children the healthiest light, most flourishing lives possible. And I think that's something that every parent would would ultimately want to have right Mm. so this is why this work needs to start early and this is why I think that you know a lot of people say to me well who's your or ask me who's your book directed at who's it aimed at and of course you know the majority of people I accept that are going to come to my book are going to be the ones who are trying right now but I would argue and say that actually you know my dream is for this book to be read by people much much younger and you know years before they even start to think about having a baby because they start engaging in that work and that process far earlier in life they start to think about what kind of parent they want to be they start to take that level of responsibility for themselves before they go into this whole process and remember that everything you do on yourself will ultimately be this build this incredible resilience and wisdom Mm. that you're going to have as a parent And, you know, that's priceless. That really, really is. So, um, you know, this is never time that's that's wasted. And, you know, people who may struggle a long time to have their children, but who are invested in that process actually are some of the most incredibly um, self-evolved people that I've met, Mm. you know, um, incredibly uh, wise and you know just their whole sense and perspective on life and parenting is very very different as a result of the circumstances that that they've had to
0: navigate Mm. and and where do you stand on people kind of you know there's a there's you know IVF and the assisted conception and and Mm -hmm. kind of that that huge sort of business that that that, 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 that there is out there and this kind of it seems like, you know, lots of people feel like they end up in IVF clinics, and they're not, they don't quite know why. And, you know, there's, there's all kinds of stuff that goes on there. Where do where does this sort of fit in that picture? Like, is it kind of to try and encourage people to do some work and preparation, so they don't go down that path? Or is it about preparing so that they are more resilient and, and well placed when they do go down that path?
1: Yeah, it's both. It's yeah. both really. Um, I mean, as as we all know, there is absolutely, IVF is one of the greatest technologies ever invented. I mean, you know, how can it not be to, to mm. be able to allow people who otherwise may never have had a chance to build their own families to be able to have children is absolutely incredible. Um, the issue comes in where IVF is overused, not used correctly, correctly or it's used to bypass certain problems Mm. Um, that's where the issues come in and you know at the moment we're using IVF to treat unexplained infertility well you know as we've just been talking about I don't believe there's such a thing as unexplained and I think it is our duty as doctors as clinicians to look at why those things might be happening for our patients and give them the best possible chance of being able to do this on their own Mm. So the book is really about, yes, improving your natural ability to get pregnant, your I would say your wellness and health overall, which is something that is a basic precursor to being able to get pregnant. But absolutely, if you end up after all the necessary tests, investigations, um, you know, consultation has taken place to look at all these different factors that includes the emotional um factors as well. And then if you are someone who decides to engage with um, these, what we call ART uh, techniques, so IVF is part of that, then absolutely it is about supporting you through that and allowing you to have the very best possible outcome. So for example, you know, potentially needing only one or two cycles of IVF rather than, you know, eight or 10 Um, and, you know, really optimizing the sperm and the eggs that are being used, whether, natural conception or with IVF and IUI so yes it's about it's about both it's about supporting people no matter what their individual circumstances may be and making sure that if they are engaging in reproductive technologies that they're engaging with them for the right reasons Mm. yeah um and not because actually they haven't had answers to to certain things
0: yeah thank you so much and so so the book's been out for about a month is it Yeah, yeah. A month now. Can't believe it. And so what what's next? What have you got planned around the book? Have you got events or anything coming up around the book?
1: Yes. So I'm in the midst of um, just sorting that out because I I love doing events. I love engaging with people at that sort of grassroots level. Um, And, you know, one of my favorite things to do is to listen and hear um, other people's stories and their experiences. I just think people are absolutely fascinating. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's such a real joy and honor for me as a doctor to be able to, um, yeah, to engage with people at that very sort of real vulnerable level. Um, so I will definitely be doing some events that I will be announcing on my social media. I mainly use Instagram, um, which I'm sure you will tag with this. Um, I also have a new uh, website platform, which is www.theconceptionplan.com. And that has lots of information for anyone who's looking for additional things to the book. And I have got something exciting in the pipeline to accompany the book, which will be coming soon on there Mm. as well. Um, so helping to bring that to life because, you know, one of my big passions is making this level of care accessible to people. Yeah. You know, not everyone can go and see a doctor. Not everyone can come and see me. I think it's really important to be able to offer something to people um, like the book. This is, again, a huge reason of why I wrote the book, that I wanted to be able to give something really practical and tangible to people who, you know, could, could use this. On their journey to becoming pregnant but also throughout life that doesn't cost a fortune and that actually can be used by everyone and can be passed down to yeah. other people as well so it's it's about you know creating that level of, of awareness and also looking at health and reproductive care through that slightly different lens mm. um that really is this holistic whole as we were talking about this bridge between science and spirit. So, yeah, I'll be announcing um, events on there as well, and also trying to do a bit of a national tour. Um, because, yeah, one of one of my little dreams, actually, Hannah, is to have a caravan, um, <laughs> or a little panel band, <laughs> and just drive up and down the country <laughs> doing different. Great! you need
0: if you need a co pilot, I'm there. Oh love it love it always always you know um so a yeah, driver, but, just a driver i'll
1: drive oh my god we can take it in turns you know because i quite like driving as well it sort of yeah. helps tune me out so yeah. um so yeah i yeah. i'm definitely really excited about
0: that brilliant well i will put all your details and the link to your website so you can buy the book through your website and amazon i presume and all all yeah. usual places so i put all, i put all of that on um thank the show you. notes and i just want to say thank you so much because you know, it's oh. so it's honestly, sometimes as an acupuncturist, it's quite difficult in certain circles to be taken seriously. And people's kind of assume that what we do is 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 nothing. And, and you know, I get it. I understand. But it's so nice to meet somebody who really understands and can bridge the gap between sort of Western and Eastern or, you know, kind of scientific and spiritual. it's It really does make my day and yeah, it's great. So thank you so much for coming on and speaking to us because oh. it's been great for, for me personally. Oh,
1: wow. That's such an incredibly amazing thing to say I'm I'm so touched thank you so much and you know thank you for all the work that you do and you know for having me on this podcast and getting this information out to people because you know you have such real responsibilities um with with what you do as well and you know I'm I'm also equally in awe what as to what you guys do as as acupuncturists oh, it's all esoteric healers do I have such an incredible level of respect for that work and I think it's just super super important to lend my voice to that where mm. I can uh, yeah. because it really is something that helps. And if we can get more people to engage with the full extent and spectrum of what's out there, yeah. and what may be suited to them, then my goodness, you know, um, I, I just hope we can real make a real difference to people's lives. That's what this is all about.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, on that note, I will say thank you once again, Dr. Larissa for your time tonight. I really appreciate it. It's been great to have you on. And um, thank you, everybody for listening. If you've enjoyed listening to this and want to find out more, then come and join my free community in Facebook. We have loads of resources. You can catch up on all our previous webinars and be the first to know about forthcoming events. To sign up, just follow the link in the show notes. And if you'd like to work one-to-one with myself or one of the team, then please see our website, hannahpern.com, where you can book in directly or organise a discovery call to find out how we can support your fertility and your reproductive health.